booths back there, so I can't see the clock. I mean, I can kind of see the clock, but I don't have a watch on it. Huh? Oh, thank you. You got to tell me when to quit. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, glad to see you. You know, there's a somewhat, one of these days I'm going to find my little sheet of paper. I don't even know where I got it, but I, someone gave me a sheet of paper that had all these numbers uh, used in scripture and uh, kind of what the numbers represent. Like uh, seven would represent what? You think? Rest? Holiness, isn't it? Maybe. There's different things that you start finding with a number. So like um, seven. Well, actually, that's right. I remember seven is the number of goodness. Goodness, uh huh. Yes. Uh, com completeness, maybe could be complete. Well, it has multiple. Three. three is completeness. Okay. That's why God's number is seven, seven, seven. Ah, oh yeah. So he's a, he's a man that works with numbers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the number uh, the number twenty uh, on the sheet uh, stands for redemption. So we're still a few more days of the year 2020. So don't you wonder about like what's going on? We, we can get ideas of how to think in that direction by looking at the Old Testament, well, looking at all of scripture, and it, it, it kind of, uh, it directs us, uh, gives us insights to things. Uh, one one place I want to go to for a moment is Colossians. I wasn't planning on going there, but I'm going to go there. Uh, <coughs> I'm using a New American Standard Bible. And Colossians, I won't do a bunch of stuff right here, but there is Colossians 2, 16. Pages. They're not stuck together, but there they are. I'm just jumping into the middle of a thought, so it doesn't make good sense, sort of. But um, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or to respect to a festival. Now, Paul's talking to the church at Colossae, and uh, he's, you know, Christianity is like built upon the Jewish heritage, and so that means. Uh, festivals and uh, different times, or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. They're a shadow. So when we, some people, um, uh, my childhood, I was I was raised uh, in an era, being a baby boomer, where. Um, the New Testament was really the thing to, um, I actually had just a New Testament. I didn't even carry for a couple of years a whole Bible because no one ever went to any parts of the Old Testament. They only went to the New Testament. <laughs> it's like discovering, I mean, I had a whole Bible. I just didn't carry it around with me. I had this real thin, navy blue New Testament. And I gave it away, I gave it away to a, 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 a Camp, a counselor at Camp Laney in Minton where I was working a couple summers and he was my other counselor. We were two counselors to a, I was the art crafts teacher and he needed a Bible. So I gave him my New Testament so then I had to get a, I decided to get a whole Bible again and uh, started deciding since I hadn't read the Old Testament well, I'd start reading in the Old Testament and you know it all kind of expands over what like 2100 to 2300 years and uh, from Moses writing to John on the island, and it it's uh, it all kind of works together, and you start hearing because God's behind these forty different writers, these sixty six books, and we start uh, getting patterns of things. Um, I'm going to pick back up on the the uh, Samuel story. You want to go to First Samuel, chapter five. The 
a while back, I, last time I taught, I taught on gossip. So I'm going back this time and pick back up on Samuel. You know, Samuel, we've been following him since he was little. He's still quite, quite young. And uh, it ends with the ark being taken captive by the Philistines. The high priest is 98 years old, Eli, and God has told through, two, through Samuel as a young guy and also another prophet that had come that uh, God was going to judge Eli's house because uh, his uh, two sons were not following God's ways and uh, God was going to go ahead and take them on the same day and this would be a sign to Eli. And so it's a pretty hard story right there. And one of the boy's wife is, um, uh, was going to give birth. And so when her husband's killed, she hears about it. It throws her into labor. And uh, she dies as she's having the child. And the other women are trying to comfort her because she's had a boy. That's really important in their culture. And she names the boy Ichabod, which means no, no glory. And it says in chapter 4, verse 21, So she named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken, and because her father-in-law and her husband, they both had died. The Eli fell backwards off the where he was sitting um, when he heard the ark had been taken, just as they were reporting that both of his sons were killed and the ark was gone. She said in verse 22, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God was taken. Let me pray for just a minute. Lord, would you speak to each of us this morning? We say this often, but Lord, we, um, we would like for you to speak to us. We say this, Father, in Jesus' name, because it's in him that we come to you. Holy Spirit, you are with us all the time. Have your way with us. Speak from the inside out. Come upon us and manifest your presence here. Whatever you want to do, you are great at bringing glory to our Father and to Jesus, the Messiah, our King our older brother, the lover of our souls. Thank you for hearing our cry. Amen. So, as history goes on, you never know what's going on next. You know, no, none of us saw this is going on with the COVID thing, and we don't know what's coming next week, and we don't know what's coming the week after that. We can get ideas, but, but we don't know. We, don't, we just really don't know. It's good to um, look at the scriptures and, and uh, the pieces, pieces of history and kind of it gives us some perspective. Now, we've got behind the camera here, we have a setup. For the, we had communion last week, and they, they, uh, um, Lisa and Karen and other ones have ideas, and Kyle helped build it, and they built uh, a booth, like uh, this last Saturday night. You know, the Jewish calendar works from evening, from sunset to sunset, and that's because in Genesis, God talked like each day was like that. So the Jewish is not from morning to to the next morning, it's from sunset until sunset. So for the last seven days, it ended last night at sunset, it's the tabernacle, it's the festival of booths, or the festival, festival of the tabernacle. And the festival of booths is to, to remind people of uh, the Jewish people to that they spent 40 years in the wilderness, they lived out under the stars, uh, they moved around, and so uh, the Jewish people started coming up with a kind of this pattern. And the pattern is that it has a back wall and two side walls and no front wall. And the top is overlaid with, with uh, limbs and 
parts of trees so that you can see the stars through the top of it, or you can have rain that comes through. And then some people would spend the night outside in the booths, and uh, other uh, families, if, even if they didn't, even if they did do that, they tried to take one meal each of these seven days under the booth. So they would eat together usually every every evening uh, there. And so this goes on every year. So the, the so if you were Jewish, you your last time was last night or yesterday before sunset, I guess. What time they did. So now is the first day after that. So we've gone through the Jewish New Year. We've gone through the uh, Yom Kippur, which is the uh, kind of waiting, weighing spiritually how things have been the last year and then the beginning uh, of the year. And so now we're, this is one of the three that uh, the Jewish people would go to. Um, make a pilgrimage um, and go and visit. And when you start reading some background after they had built this, and we did communion here last week, uh, and um, some of them had the idea that maybe we could take communion right there. And wow, it was great under under the booth. We did we did communion. That was awesome. And uh, so I started looking up more on it because I hadn't read on it in a long time. And there's a place where when Solomon got ready to dedicate the temple, remember David wanted to build a temple. God said, mm, you've been too much a warrior. You can't build a temple, but I'll let your son build a temple. So King David started collecting everything he needed for a temple. Solomon builds the temple. And when he has the first service in the temple, it is during the festival of booths. Now, part of the festival of booths is used as thanksgiving for the harvest that they've taken in. So it's always in October or September by our calendar. And so um, that's what's taking place. So that's all pretty interesting. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 5. Now the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer where it would been um, it had been at Shiloh and if we had the map that's it, kind of heading toward the Mediterranean uh, they've had this battle area at Ebenezer and it goes really really badly for the uh, Israelites and so the Philistines take it and um, they're going to go to their one of their hometowns which is on, on the uh, coastline and it's a, a down to Ashdod. So the Philistines in verse 2, the, well, they take it to Ashdod. And 2, the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Now Dagon is a 3,000-year-old deity. Uh, it goes back to the time of Mesopotamia is where the name first comes up. And he is seen as if you get into all the different um, People groups and who they worship, it gets kind of complicated, not the right word. There's just a lot of different name changes and stuff in different places. So Dagon is considered to be the father of Bial. You've heard of Bial? Yes, no, kind of? Okay, so, so, so Bial is, um, uh, he's considered the sun god. So this is his dad. So this is who the Philistines at this time are worshiping and they've got a temple and they've got a uh, a big statue of Dagon and they brought this golden box right remember Raiders of the Lost Ark you know what the box looks like right so you've got this two angels on the top looking down at the top and we've got this box and they have now set it down in the temple of Dagon with the statue of Dagon here and and, and the Ark of the Covenant, which has Aaron's almond rod that has budded in there. We've got a bowl of manna from the wilderness, and we've got the two tablets of the Ten Commandments that God's finger wrote on and gave to Moses. They are in the box. You don't touch the box. You don't open the box. Levites carry them by poles. They run poles through the sides. 
It has to be a Levite on either end, unless you're a Philistine. You can, you can get away with more stuff because it's not your God. You know, Jewish people are a little bit more accountable of what you do with it. You know, you, you're Jewish, you don't do it right, mm, you know, you don't want to do that. But, uh, but so the Philistines have, uh, they're being Philistines. It's, it's hard not to compare some of this to, to how some of us do Christianity at different times. It's like, we don't mean to be ignorant. Just sometimes we do things. Does God love us? Yes, he loves us. Does he love us if we're ignorant? Yes. Would he like for us to do things more his way? Yes. Uh, just because it, life goes better doing, doing things that way. You know, it just, it just works better. Okay, so it's, it's hard to set this up. I, I, I'm not, I wasn't raised around any Philistines, you know, uh, um, I'm not familiar with Dagon, and I mean I can see pictures from my art history books of some of these ancient things, you know, and parts of statues and different things. But this isn't—it it takes me some work to relate to it. Verse three: When the Ashdots uh, arose early in the morning, the ones that live in this town, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. <laughs> So they took Dagon and they set him up in his place again. Oh, okay, must have been a slight earthquake, something, you know, this is just something just happened. Uh, you know, it's not really rile the Philistines, although some of the ones that were astute, they probably would have said, hmm, what are a few things going on? That's kind of weird. It's never fallen down. It's a really big statue. It's never fallen down before. Okay. Verse 4. So when they arose early the next morning, because they've stood him back up, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon, and both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold of the, of the opening to come in. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him, the lower part of the body. Now this would get people's attention. You would think it, 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 it would have gotten my attention. Like, it's happened again. He's lost his head. He's lost his hands. What we do stuff with. What would be the symbol of that? He's lost his head. Uh, hmm. Okay. Verse 5. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor all that enter the house, the Dagon's house, tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. Now, at the time this is being written, where this town is still there, is that when they would go into his temple, they would step over the threshold to honor their God because, well, he lost his head on the, on the doorway. <laughs> it's hard to give up the things that you worship. It's hard to make a change. They're not, no, it's not just the Philistines. Um, verse 6. Now the hand of the Lord was heavy on the Ashdots, Ashdodots, Ashdodots, thank you. And, and, he, and he ravaged them, talking about God, and smote them with tumors. Both Ashdod and its territory. Now, this is one of the main towns that the Philistines have. They have they have five five kings over each of these little city states. This is one of them. There's a, they have a king there, right? And there are four other city states around their uh, the Philistine territory. So, uh, so now not only has Dagon fallen down twice, broken his head off in his hands. They're starting to get tumors on their bodies in town. Now, in most towns, if this was Gadsden and we started hearing of people getting tumors, a lot of people getting tumors, we would probably start passing this along, this information. It would probably be in the local newspaper or what it would make the TV someplace, you know. Huh? People would check the water. People would check the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it's something we're eating, right? It, everybody, the, everybody's scared of each other. What's that on their head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got something. Hey, I got something too. Yeah, like uh, it would start getting around uh, the talk. Verse 7, And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us. For his hand is severe on us and on Dagon, our God. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of it. It's just, it, uh, just how people act. Verse 8. So they sent and they gathered all the lords of the Philistines to them and said, What shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? They've got all five local city-state kings and lords. And they said... Let the ark of God of Israel be brought around to Goth. <laughs> so they took it to undoubtedly their most powerful uh, city-state city, right? They took it to the, to the place where the temple was. Didn't go well there. So now they're going, well, we need to move this out of our town. We need to get rid of this. The guy that undoubtedly he was probably more powerful than the other four. And so, like, we don't like it. Well, I was the old little, when I was young, there was, a, there was an, uh, an ad, and they'd say, let Mikey eat it. He'll eat anything. It's, like, it's one of those kind of things. It's like, hey, hey, we think Gothel, really, but it would really be a nice place for this Ark of God of, of Israel that we uh, took home as a present for battle, for beating them all up, and we got this. This uh, gold box is pretty cool looking and it represents their God. So they brought the ark of God of Israel around. Verse 9, and after they brought it around, the hand of the Lord was against the city with very great confusion. He smote the men of the city, both young and old, so that tumors broke out on them. <laughs> so not only do they have tumors, now they've got confusion. So kind of if you look at the Hebrew, this great confusion means sort of like mental illness. They're all kind of, they're kind of losing it. I, I suspect. Well, you know, if I was a person from, say, New Zealand, and I was keeping up with American politics, I'd go, wow, wonder what's in their water. They're all kind of going crazy in that country. And pretty soon I'd be watching just because it was so entertaining. You just didn't know what those Americans were going to do next. Like, they just have gotten really weird. Uh, it's very parallel to this kind of thing going on. So you, you always find something in in life. So, verse 10, so they sent the ark of God to Ekron. <laughs> so, the, 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 head, the head guy, the head lord of the Philistines goes, I don't want it in my town. You're taking it down the road to the next most powerful town. Now they're saying, we don't want it. It's just going bad here at our town. Let's take it to the, to the third down the down the list of uh, of uh, lords, so 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 they moved it to Ekron. Verse ten. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron, and as the ark of God came to Ekron, the Ekronites cried out, saying, "They have brought the ark of God of Israel around to us to kill us and our people." What's wrong with y'all? We're Philistines like you are. I can't believe you're doing this to us. Like, what did we do to you? We've all fought together. I thought we were like, you know, we're like, we're a team. We're together. We're, you know, B for, I don't know. They had like a P or something. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it gives me hope for America. Okay, so, uh, verse 11. They sent, therefore, and gathered all the lords of the Philistines, saying, we've we, we got to have a talk. We've got to have a powwow. We've got to have five. Let's get, it. Let's get all of our guys together. Um, 
what Lincoln from American Indians, but you know, Indian tribal groups would get together and the fact that all these people kept landing on the East Coast and like, how are we gonna handle this? So, um, so the Philistines have got their lords together and said, uh, send away the Ark of the God of Israel and let it return to its own place so that it will not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly confusion, again, mental illness, throughout the city, and the hand of God was very heavy there. And the, bit, and the men did not die, and, and the men who did not die were smitten with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Just keeps getting worse. Chapter 6. Now the ark of the Lord had been in the country of the Philistines seven months. There's the God number. This isn't something going on. Depends on your perspective. If you're the guys that had fought in the battle with the Philistines and the Philistines had, had beat you up severely, killed a bunch of your friends, you'd lived through the battle, the ark was taken, the priests, the, the sons of the high priest were killed, you went home, you heard that the high priest had died, that his daughter-in-law that, uh, you know, she had died in childbirth and, and he names, and, and she named the child the glories departed, Ichabod. Like, it was not fun going home after that battle. And you could start questioning, well, can God really take care of things? I mean, it didn't go well. They took, they took the golden the Ark of the Covenant that Moses and them built a long time ago when they were out in the desert. And, and, and we've had it all these years. If you're, if you're a Jewish person, you could be questioning like, is, is God, maybe he's not as powerful as we thought he was. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's not going well. Maybe we just don't really know. However, God's got a plan. He's already prophesied all this is going to happen. Because Israel has gone away from walking with God like they should. So, seven months go by for the Philistines. Now, over on the Philistine neighborhood, it's not going well. So the Philistines call out in verse 2 for their, their priests and their dividers. They're, they're people that can weigh things spiritually and kind of look into insights. And um, these, these, uh, these people are pretty much got together. They keep up with stuff, as we see in the next few verses, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we shall send it to its place. We want to get rid of this. And we want to do it rightly because we've undoubtedly riled up the God of Israel. We, he's mad and he's taking it out on us. And so we, we want this to stop. Okay, verse 3. They said, if you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty. But you shall surely return to him a guilt offering. Now they, they understand guilt offerings. The Philistines did. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Verse 4, and then they said, what shall be the guilt offering which we shall return to him? Okay, in other words, that's not a bad idea. We like that. Okay, so what do you suggest? And they said, five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, which were five, for one plague was on all of you and on your lords. Since there's been one plague, it seems to have gone from city to city. You know, it's on the Philistine people. So we got, let's send one for all five, and then let's send some golden mice also. Verse 5, so you shall make likenesses of your tumors, these golden versions, 
and likenesses of your mice that ravaged the land. So there was another thing going on, not just tumors, not just them losing their minds, kind of a lot of confusion. They were overrun with mice everywhere, eating up on everything. So they made some golden mice to go as, as a guilt offering. And you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will ease his hand from you and your gods and your land. Now these are good, wise, spiritual people. They're going, we think this is what you should do, but we're not totally sure this is going to work. We're hoping this will work. Perhaps this will work. This is our point. This is the idea. Verse 6. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? Now, what is that saying? We don't get all this in the scripture. What the in-between part is when they told the five lords, they balked at this idea. Was it the gold? Was it the embarrassment of making copies of the tumors and the mice? They didn't, they didn't really, they're, they're kind of dragging their feet. So the, uh, the priest and the, and the guys that kind of weigh things spiritually, you know, they're, they're pretty wise. And so there's, they start using this illustration. Now, why did they use this illustration? Because everybody has heard the story of the Egyptians and how badly it went with them when Moses went and said, God said, let my people go. And they heard about the Red Sea destroying all, all, all this army. They heard about all the firstborn dying at the same time on the same night that Israel walked out. They all know this story. This is not like an obscure story. It spread across all the known, you know, you know how you do. There's not a lot to talk about. You talk about, hey, let me tell you, the traveling people selling stuff, going from place to place, and they got emissaries and, and other kingdoms, and they send reports. The ones that are got a good size government, you know, they got spies and stuff. They, you know, you don't want to be surprised if somebody comes over the hill with an army and just takes over everything. I mean, you kind of want to know what's going on. They know about the Jewish people. They know about Israel. When he had severely dealt with them, the rest of verse six. Did they not allow the people to go? And they departed. Now therefore take and prepare. So here's what to do. Therefore take and prepare a new cart. And, and two cows. And these are, these are, are milk cows. Okay. Um, when, uh, the, when the a milk cow, they have a calf. And then, then they start producing milk. And so then they can, as long as you keep working with that, you can keep having milk from the milk cows. So instead of these being working bulls, you know, once strong, they're taking uh, two cows that are milk cows, which is not typical for doing something. They're making this hard. So we want you to take uh, the two cows on which have there's never been a yoke. So they've never pulled anything. They've never worked in tandem with the yoke. They're not trained like this. They're milk. They just, they keep them for milk and uh, hitch the cows to the cart and take their calves home away from them. So we're gonna make this hard. They got baby calves. They've been good moms to them. They're giving them milk every day. They, they, they're not trained to pull things. They're not trained to wear a yoke. We're gonna take these two mama cows. We're gonna put them, hook them to uh, a cart and, uh, and then take their calves away and put their calves up. Verse 8, and take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart. Put the articles of gold, which you return to him as a guilt offering, that's the, the mice and the tumors, in a box by its side, and then sit it away that it may go. Verse 9, watch. And if it goes up by the way of its own territory to Beth Shemesh, this is a Jewish town nearby, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we will know that it was not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. That's pretty wise. They're pretty smart. They're pretty smart Philistines, and their, their, um, their religious leaders are pretty good at this, talking to the lords, uh, the five lords. 
Verse 10, And then the men did so and took, and took the two Mitch cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. Get it all set up. Let's see what happens. Verse 11, They put the ark of the, of the Lord on the cart and the box with the golden mice and the likenesses of the tumors. Verse 12, And the cows took the straight way to the, in the direction of Beth Shemeth. I mean, just like they got a built-in compass, they got a map. I mean, these two cows took off with the cart straight line. They didn't turn aside to the right or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines followed them to the borders of Beth Shemesh. Now the people of Beth Shemesh, verse 13, were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they raised their eyes and saw the ark coming and were glad to it. You know what? It just might be the time of the festival of booths. Solomon later opens the first time of the temple, festival of booths. Time of Thanksgiving. Can't prove it because he doesn't say that, but we know it's a harvest. They're not expecting this. You know? They just want to go on with, let's just harvest stuff. You know? It's, I don't want to think about everything that's happened. Verse 14. The cart came into the field of Joshua the Beth Shemite and stood there where there was a large stone. <laughs> now, God's totally controlling this. He's, he's had the cows bring the cart to the exact stone that he wants it brought to. A really big, flat stone area. Perfect place. They split the wood of the, of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. Verse 15, the Levites. Now these, these Jewish cows are not done. You'll, you'll see in the different stories, I mean, when, when David brings it to town, the ark, uh, you remember things didn't go well because he didn't have the Levites bring the ball. You know, somebody reaches out to steady it. They got it on a cart. The guy falls over dead because he's touched the ark of the Lord. They take it to somebody else's house. David thinks about this, starts talking to everybody, and they. And then when he wants to bring it into Jerusalem, he does it the right way. He gets the Levites because only the Levites can do this. So they get the Levites. Set from the tribe of Levi. Yeah. So the Levites, verse 15, took down the ark of the Lord. And the box that was with it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone, and the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices that day to the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they're probably standing up on the ridge off in the distance, they returned to Elkron that day. Okay. God of Israel, this was not a mistake. Things will go better back home. Verse 17, And these are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned for a guilt offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, uh, one for um, Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Elkron. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities, there must have been a lot of golden mice, number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords, both the fortified cities and country villages. The large stone on which they set the ark of the Lord as a witness to this day in the field of Joshua the Bethshemite. He, being God, struck down some of the men of Bethshemite because they looked into the ark of the Lord. It's terrible. At the same time, You're not supposed to take the top of the ark off. You know, that's, uh, it's, it's holy. It's set apart to God. God's told us a long time ago when Moses built it. They all knew it back then. They did, but time's gone on. And you got people wanting to like, I don't know who did what, but uh, I'm sure it was really terrible. He struck down that day 
50,070. 50,070. Why 70? There's 70 elders, which eventually would become the Sanhedrin 70. This was the number that had been set up way back under Moses. God loves his people. At the same time, he is holy. He wants his people to be holy. He wants us to be holy. As much as he loves us, he says in the New Testament, we reap what we sow. Not being mean, he's being just. He is fully loving and fully just. And the people mourn because the Lord has struck the people with a great slaughter. Now this is always hard stuff like this is to read. But it's here for us as an example and because like I read earlier from Colossians, this is all, um, all of these stories are not just happenstance. Verse 20, the men of Beth Shemesh say, who's able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up from us? And to whom shall he go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kira-Jerim, saying, the Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to you. It would have been hard to have left it there. Everybody's lost somebody, 50,000, 70. It's, 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 it's bad. They're afraid of God. So they ask another town nearby, will you take it? And they take it. Let's do just a little bit more. Chapter 7. So the men of Kirjasherim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abimadad on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. Undoubtedly, they were Levites, if we look up. And from that day, the ark remained at Kirjasherim. The time was long. For it was 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So 27 years has gone by since the ark was taken by the Philistines. Seven, I mean, 20, 20 years and seven months. Philistines keep it for seven months, and now 20 years will go by. Samuel, who was very young, is now grown. He's become a prophet. It said earlier that none of his words fell to the ground or everything he said. Samuel has come into his own as a prophet. A grown-up prophet. Verse 3. And then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth, from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel removed the Beals and the Ashtoreth, which is also Ishtar is another name for it, and served the Lord alone. And then Samuel says, gather all Israel to Mitzvah and I will pray to the Lord for you. Now let's stop right there. So Can you tell by, if you think about all of this right here, you can see that Israel was not in the best of places. The Philistine, the next door neighbors were the ones that God allowed to beat up on them. They worshiped Dagon, who was the father of Baal. okay? 
Baal being the, uh, the sun god, and his wife is a moon goddess of the, of the uh, uh, Phoenicians. Uh, she's known by the Greeks as Ishtar, the, the, all these different names, but, it, it, but basically you got two, two uh, probably principalities posing as gods, you know, and it's passing on down and name changing with different people groups. But, but we know them as Bial and um, um, Ishtar, I think of her as Ishtar. Um, She's known, um, well, let, let me, I, I just got all these little tidbits that are, aren't used for anything except fun to me. Solomon, so they, they quit this right here. They get things right. It's been really bad for the Philistines. We lost, and, and we just lost a, we lost a bunch of people because they looked into the box. We, we, Samuel's come of age. Samuel's told them what you need to do to get right with God. They're willing to do it. They get rid of all the other gods from other places. You know where Ishtar shows back up? Solomon. Solomon starts. He loves women. He marries girls from different people groups. And one of his wives, undoubtedly Ishtar, the wife of Baal, the Greek name for her, because he meant, calls it Ishtar by then, he sets up a temple for her up on one of the hills over Jerusalem. And it's reintroduced. Time will go along, and Queen Jezebel will come to power. Queen Jezebel will start killing off priests of the Lord and she has got 700 priests that work for Ishtar, the temple of Ishtar. And it will take a prophet coming. She will be thrown down by people off of the wall that surrounds Jerusalem city. And, and it says that the guy that's coming... Um, Jehu, that the right one. It's prophesied that um, she will die and that nothing will be left of her but something like her hands. And so this is what happens. She's thrown off the wall when he comes up to, Jehu comes up to the wall and says, is there anybody up there for God? And they pitch her over the wall. She dies at the base of the wall. The dogs come and eat the remains and leave just the palms of her hands. Why do you suppose the palms of her hands are left? Huh? Dagon, what was broken off? His head and his hands. The father of Baal, this is the queen, the, the deity that they, uh, can you see the lineage coming down? She is, Queen Jezebel is worshiping Ishtar, so when she dies, coming off of the wall, God leaves the palms of her hands is the only thing he leaves of her. You see the connection? It's years in forming this. It's years forming this. Saul will, will come up and become king because Samuel will anoint him king because the people want a king. And Saul won't do a good job, but his son Jonathan decides there's no swords left around. Jonathan's got one. His dad's got one. There's not any around. But there's a garrison across the ravine. If you go to 1 Samuel 14, that's way on into the story. And Jonathan and his sword bearer climb up the side of the rocks to this garrison. And he says uh, to the sword bearer, let's go see. He says, Nothing prevents the Lord from winning a victory by many or by few. He starts a war with them. When his dad wouldn't fight him, Jonathan was an all right guy. And King David saw that. 
and Jonathan saw it in David, and they exchanged clothes so that each one was wearing some of the clothing of the other. So whenever you saw David, you knew he was in relation, he was buds with Jonathan because he had some of Jonathan's clothes on. And wherever they saw Jonathan, they knew that David was in league with Jonathan because he was wearing some of David's stuff. And it says that all of this points toward the Messiah, toward Jesus. So I hope you got something out of this today. No matter what goes on in whichever one, one of the 183 countries in the world, God is still in charge. It may go really badly in different places. Stuff, bad stuff's going on right now in different places. Some we know about, some we don't know about. But God has not gone to sleep. He's keeping... He never sleeps. There's no one like him. That's right. Father has said to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. God is going about putting things in place. Another day, another week, another calendar, page has been torn off because sometime, someday, maybe next week, your lifetime, Sometime, our Father is going to tell Jesus, the King of Kings, go get him. Mm -hmm. You're ready today, yeah. yeah. I have days when, today would be a good day. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> yeah, this would be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, trust. Yes, trust in the Lord. I don't know what you need, but trust in the Lord. Call out to him. He's listening. <coughs> he says that your name is written on his hand if you're one of his children. He says his thoughts are never far away from you. He knows you're coming and you're going up, you're rising down, you're rising up, you're lying down. He knows. He's listening. Whether it's a hard day or a good day, the Lord is still king. been good. Thank you, Karen, for leading worship. We'll see y'all. Be blessed. Yes. So, any questions or something that you need?